0: This podcast episode is sponsored by Statera. Statera is a web-based application that helps youth athletes and their stakeholders estimate training load, track maturation status, monitor readiness, and manage injury. Put together by coaches working with busy youth athletes, Statera helps keep things simple and brings together the most important training information in one place to ensure that effective athlete-centered decisions can be made. No more complicated Excel tutorials and spreadsheets, just upload your athletes' data and their training schedule and start to take control of their training commitments and workload. Make more informed decisions and protect your athletes' well-being, supporting their performance. Statera takes your data very seriously. GDPR compliant and registered with the ICO, choose from a range of maturation indices and validated measures, or customize your own. Statera can record any training variable and all your data is fully exportable. To reach out today and get a free walkthrough, head over to www.statera.uk. That's S-T-A-T-E-R-A dot U-K. Welcome to the LTAD Network podcast. I'm your host, Rob Anderson, and today I'm speaking with Nathan Parnham. Nathan is an athletic development coach based in Australia. He's worked in various roles throughout his career in the development and professional space across both genders for close to two decades. He's recently taken up a role as the Director of Strength and Conditioning at Brisbane Grammar School. Nathan has played a role in the development of a range of state, national and professional athletes currently playing their trade in the Australian Netball League, A League, W League, NRL, Super Rugby, Rugby Sevens and the ITF tennis circuit. He's recently transitioned from professional sport back into the development realm and is passionate about sharing content and highlighting aspects that coaches and parents may find useful. So Nathan, welcome back. It's good to have you back again.
1: Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Pleasure to be here. It's, uh, it's been a big big year
0: or so for you. you had a lot of changes in terms of job role and obviously getting the book across the line and that kind of
1: stuff. So pretty exciting 12 months. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's uh, Yeah, it just seems to be the, the theme for, you know, throughout the last 12 to 18 months around the world, really, is just, you know, adapted, pivot, and uh, it's certainly been a wicked ride in the process.
0: Hmm. So last time we spoke, you were at St. Augustine's College. You've now moved on to, to Brisbane um, Grammar. So talk, cool, tell us a little bit about your role there. What's the setup in terms of the structure of athletic development? You know, how many staff you're managing? What's the aims of the program? Give us a bit of an overview of what your new role is.
1: Yeah, sure. So, uh, yeah. So the last time we spoke, I, I was at Saint Augustine's College in Sydney, and and which was a, a phenomenal program that we were getting up and up off the ground, and the uh, the the belief and the the system and the model that they wanted to roll out within their schooling framework was was unreal and I and I really enjoyed my time there. Um, the challenge for for me, I, I'm a, a young father, uh, or young would be debatable, uh, but a, uh, a new father, let's call it. And you know, an opportunity came up that was north of the border for us in Australia. So from uh, available in in, it came up in Brisbane and uh, from Sydney and and it was one of those things where um, the opportunity to to relocate as a new family uh, it was more of a lifestyle choice for us and um, at the same time the opportunity once again was in a similar space as far as the uh, very much in, a, in its infancy in a building environment they had a, a big restructure there and how that they're going to approach their athletic development framework and uh, for me that was exciting and like I said it, it was kind of an exciting adventure for, for our new family so uh, fast forward to you know where I am now it was we relocated in at the beginning of January and threw a few you know curveballs with COVID and everything like that like everyone else is dancing around the world and me we we, you know we've we've parked it here and and really loving the the sea change I suppose you could say.
0: Hmm. So tell us a bit about Brisbane Grammar what's the setup and you know is the is the way you're delivering embedded in the curriculum is it after school before school how many coaches are involved give us a bit of an overview.
1: Yeah so at at Brisbane Grammar uh, the I suppose the the biggest way to put it is that it's just a a different level of of schooling I suppose so um, what I mean by that is. Up in in Queensland, it's part of the GPS schooling framework. And uh, the way that works is it's a private school setting where Largely traditionally, what happens in in most of the private school settings and, and traditionally in, in or historically what I've been involved in is a lot of the training tends to occur before school and after school. And the thing that was it's been really, really interesting with Brisbane Grammar is that they had a they're quite heavily uh, an academic school. They, they're very successful in their accomplishments in the academic setting. Um, and they you know sport is compulsory and things like that same as every other part of school in the GPS system and for, for us uh, the way that we've gone about it which I find absolutely phenomenal it's a new model that I've actually been involved with is because of the the sheer demand across the board whether it be academic through to the arts and things like that the school has actually been quite proactive in in taking it a different route so uh, what that different route is is that they've tried to minimise as much as possible the morning and afternoon commitments, so that they can reduce the number of weekly sessions and try and include them a little bit more into the academic framework. So, the the senior guys, the um, you know the the year twelve students get the opportunity to uh, they can either pick. So what I mean by that is they can they can choose one of two two realms where they can go into the, um, you know, the, the field games or aquatic games space. And, or if they're in the, what we call flagship team. So if they're in the, you know, first basketball or rugby or football, then uh, they can choose that as part of what they call the performance development. And that's, that's involved as two 45 minute periods um, on a Thursday. And it's actually imp- inclusive of the academic calendar or, or, or day, I suppose you could say.
0: Mm. That's an interesting way of doing things. Because a lot of times, you know, you'll have experienced this as well. It seems like, uh, especially in the private school sector, there's, there's a real uh, demand on time for kids. Like, you know, as you said you know, there's, there may be a before-after school first fifteen training session. Plus, you know, if they're involved academically to a higher level, they're getting pulled from pillar to post to be in this class and that class. And one of the things I've found is that kids at that age in that kind of demographic just don't seem to have a lot of spare time. Which, when you're talking to them about the importance of sleep and the importance of recovery, sometimes it can kind of fall on deaf ears. If you're saying, "Yeah, that's great, but I've got a, a session at six a.m. tomorrow. You know, how are we going to talk about getting eight hours sleep when i you know, I've got my revision to do? All those kind of things. So it's interesting to go down that route.
1: Yeah, and it's one of those things that I've had a lot of discussions with teachers and coaches who work in the athlete, like in the development space, and a lot of it comes down to if we put our, let's call it our adult mindset in. Like if a if a teacher is to work, you know, a twelve hour day or something like that, and you know, if you throw in the busiest schedule for a teacher when it comes to exams and all those sort of things, that you know, they're certainly long days and quite often we fall into this trap that just assuming that if that's a normal day for me then you know the students will be fine with it and that'll be okay and part of the challenge that I feel in the whole development space and this largely comes down to the commitment as well from not only the students but also the time demands on the parents is that everyone becomes an overachiever so their whole week is jam-packed full of, if it's not sporting commitments, you know, if the if the coach isn't trying to pull them in for that extra session, it's the strength and conditioning guys saying you need to be at the gym not twice a week, but three times a week. And then you've also got the, you know, the drama teacher if they're enrolled in drama and they've got a big performance coming up. And, you know, to, to give you some context of it, there was a drama performance at our school, A Few Good Men, and the the preparation for that involved a Sunday, all day Sunday. And it went for oh, a, easily a good four months of doing that. And when I went to the performance to watch it, I was, literally, I was just astounded by the amount of students who were in the first 15, second 15 rugby squad who were actually doing this performance as well. So not only were they, you know, they, they still have the odd... Um, you know, two afternoons training and stuff like that. But then they're also there other evenings work going until eight, nine o'clock at night with their, you know, rehearsals and things, throwing there the academic side of it that I, I touched on earlier. And it's just a whole new ball game. So it's not uncommon that students were coming in saying, you know, I've been up till 11.30 or whatnot studying because, We've got exams or assessments coming up, and then, you know, the next day is gym at six thirty in the morning. And as coaches, we preach the importance of recovery, but what ends up happening is everyone steers in in down their their lane and their rabbit hole and becoming. Uh, you know just focused with what they're trying to achieve and get out of the students and in in the end the students get pulled from pillar to post so it's it's certainly a a really difficult management side of things some schools do it better than others and I know um, you know in in our school for example that they spend a week where uh, that you know the the students are actually on site but they're allowed to be on site in preparation for their exams and things like that so little strategies along the way to try and free them up a little bit but it's quite challenging because often, you know, it's not uncommon that a lot of successful athletes are overachievers in all realms. So they want to participate in everything. So as coaches, how we find that balance, I don't know, because I can only imagine for parents it's just as challenging as well. So,
0: No, it's definitely, it can, it's an interesting one because, you know, it's kind of the buzzword to talk about being athlete centred or student centred, isn't it? But then when it comes down to everyone wants their pound of flesh, you know, can they, they do, you say yeah. they've got their priority, you know, the drama teacher wants to push a good performance. The academic teachers are pushing to get good grades. The, the rugby coach is pushing to get good performance. And, you know, you don't need to be a genius to see you can't push a hundred percent on every frontier all the time. Can you, it's going to be oh, a giving. Totally.
1: Time. Yeah, exactly. Right. And a lot of that comes down, you know, Everyone has their own different versions of success as well, right? So uh, I know some schools have a greater emphasis on their sport side of it versus their academic side of it. Uh, and, and in our space and in my new role, it's very much a, an academic centred approach uh, when it comes to their, you know, their results and what they accomplish. So, um, but at the same time, we also have competitive students who, you know, uh, want to have a crack at it and, and have a go as well. And, and that's what it's about, about trying to build an effective system or model that that promotes that sort of, I suppose, harmony or balance, you could say. Mm-hmm.
0: So give us a bit of an insight into how many students are you servicing? Is it the whole school, you know, from um, year eight up to year 12, or is it just performance scores? How does it kind of work in terms of the delivery?
1: Yeah, so uh, this is a, a little bit different from where, from all the previous schools I've come from, and this is mainly from a serviceability standpoint now. I'm really, really fortunate in this environment that uh, the roles and so when I refer to resources in, in this context that there are multiple roles within our team and usually or traditionally it's been a one-stop shop so I'm that guy juggling multiple, you know, pieces of the puzzle and and I might have assistance from, you know, a couple of casual coaches here or there uh, and but this this time we actually have, uh, the school has invested in the resources to for, for people to have different hats on so at the moment we're only well when I say only in the gym space itself we can only fit the year nine students to year 12 in there um, but we actually do service because of like I said those resources in that we have a year seven and eight uh, program and we have a year nine and ten program which are conducted weekly and that allows them to Engage and partake in physical activity in, in, you know, a variety of different things from conditioning to strength work and whatnot. Um, and then you've also got the, let's call it, the gym space, the strength and conditioning space, whereby uh, at the moment the the service the serviceability of that is is year nine to year 12, where previous schools I've been at, I've been able to get year seven to 12 in there, and which is a real big plus, and particularly selling that to the parents in the importance of things like resistance training and that it's not going to stunt your child's growth. Um, but I suppose I'm fortunate that we've got that challenge in uh, from a, a space through to the sheer numbers that we're getting in there. Um, when I first started, my goal was to get year seven and eight into the gym because they traditionally hadn't. And at this point in time, uh, we can't actually get them in there because there's just so many students who are coming in there. So, uh, which is a positive thing. Um, But then at the same time is we're able to have those, uh, the year seven and eight one um, is what what they call a Hercules program. And the the year nine and 10 one is called a foundations program. And it just allows them to uh, it's still engaging. Let's call it physical activity and and non-sport specific, uh, ec, you know, exercise, and and get that done a couple of times a week. So, and that's in addition
0: to their kind of normal PE games and you know?
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so they're optional, and, and the students opt in for those, and, and they will take place in the morning. Uh, those, those sessions. and uh, the, the gym timetable itself or the, the ability for those more you know from year nine up, then that takes place obviously in the gym. The other sessions that I just mentioned are, are outdoors and you know using various things like bags and bands and all these sort of things. And yeah, and then the, the gym timetable itself is is catered towards a year nine to twelve, while integrating the flagship teams that are that are in season with that. So yeah, we don't have any off season sports specific programs at this point in time. They're encouraged to engage in. Uh, it's a very multi sport approach. In that in the off season, they're encouraged to go to the gym and participate in you know whatever phase they're in in that particular. Type for that year group and and do that so that the goal for it is to try and get them or encourage them as much as possible to train all year round so mm,
0: great and yeah that, as you said it's pretty uh, my experience of the school system is, you know, as you said, it tends to be a one stop shop. There's one coach who's maybe not only just an s coach, but maybe also assisting with coaching rugby or coaching hockey, whatever. So it's fantastic that you guys have the ability to have multiple members of staff delivering. How many people have you got underneath you in that department?
1: Uh, so to put it into context, i I suppose it's probably easier to, for me to outline what their roles are. So I've got uh, and it's, there's an assistant strength and conditioning coach, a gentleman Rhett Cope, who I, we pretty well work hand in hand. And so we look after the the let's call it the strength and conditioning space, and in conjunction with the flagship teams. And then there's Grant Cole who he also is engaged with the so you know there's always usually two coaches on the floor within that space and but his his baby so to speak would be the foundations and the hercules program so he creates that model from year 7 through to year 10 and then that's where myself and and rep we blend that into the pathway for what we hope the the overall framework and what they should be competent in doing by the time that they get into the, the senior years and of year 11 and 12 and the flagship teams. And then we have um, Kat Pace, who is in charge of the rehab space. So one of the challenges with working in the space, when, it, when we refer to it as a one-stop shop, like you were talking about before, is that a lot of injuries and things like that really fall through the cracks because a lot of that comes down to the communication and just, just simply time so trying to chase students around the school to you know get get an exact report from a physio or a doctor or something like that before they actually return out onto the field sometimes in the past for me i know that that sometimes that could take three to four weeks and then next thing they're running out on the field so we're very fortunate that cat pace is in charge of that rehab space and then Jordan Manning, who is responsible for the, let's call it the, the data management side of things. So these guys aren't full-time. So I'm, I'm very aware that we're, we're certainly not trying to replicate a, a professional realm as far as having all these guys full-time, as much as I'd love them to be full-time. They're, we're, we're working in dribs and drabs and, and they're trying to get the best out of the, the amount of hours that they can and then the, the final person to the, the piece of the puzzle for that is a gentleman, Adam Block, who uh, I'm very fortunate to, he was responsible for uh, bringing me on board. And essentially, he's the one who oversees and puts all the pieces of the puzzle together because he is he, he is a teacher within the school. Um, and however, he is in charge of the, what we call the performance development space. So the, the buck stops at him and and his assistance through and guidance of the program allows it to be integrated into the schooling curriculum with the, what they call the senior leadership team. So is, as far as the athletic development space, uh, any model, any system that is to occur and, and to be pushed into the, their timetable and promoting to the students and things like that, Adam Block is, is the one to, to strategize and, and put basically all of us in, into that model and, and how that works into the, the schooling framework. So what does a day in the life look like for you now at Brisbane? A day in the life, uh, yeah, it's it's when I say all over the shop, it's um it's actually good. So what I mean by that is the the beauty of my role now uh, is that I can say reassuringly, is that it just allows me to have the best of both worlds. So what I mean by that is sure I'm the strength and conditioning director but what it allows me to do is actually build a team of passionate coaches and allows me to coach at the same time. So uh, those, you know, let's talk about the, say the first 15 rugby, then it allows me to actually coach those guys and program for them where traditionally uh, in programs that I've done that have, it's, I've been fortunate that the programs have built up and I've had a, a web of coaches coming through, which has been great as part of the team. But what ends up happening then is it just ends up being more a management role and I was more you know away from the tools, so to speak. So being fortunate to have those resources just allows me to a coach and be build a passionate team. So um, that's what yeah, that's what I'm excited about.
0: Awesome. So one of the other changes that's happened is obviously, yeah, James and Mike have done what they've done and reached out to you about getting involved with the LTAD network as well as a regional affiliate. So, what was what was it that drew drew you to to come on board with us as part of the LTAD network team?
1: Yeah, so I've been following it for a long time from afar, and you know the the presenters and the things that had been put on from the LTAD network was was phenomenal, and I just love the the passion and drive for. This space and and to me it just made sense and um, I know we were talking previously about the the with the podcast and things like that and I feel like the it's just you know the more we get together and band together and rally together, then it just strengthens that nucleus, so to speak, that, um, you know, we can reach out with multiple tentacles to, to get different people involved. We can, uh, you know, you, you, as an example, in the podcast, you could reach out to people that you, you had no idea of, you had no uh, connections with. And, and for me, it, like I said, it, it just made sense to try and be a part of that and build something exciting in this space.
0: Hmm so speaking of exciting things you you finally got the the book across the line so tell us a little bit about the journey first of all of producing this book so people you know you walk into a bookstore and you pick up a book and you know you think it looks nice on the color but tell us a bit about what what went into it for you how long was that process talk us a bit <laughs> of what it was like to be a, an aspiring author and, and how that went uh, I don't
1: know if we have enough time but I'll do, I'll do my best to, to sum it up it's it's been a phenomenal ride so The first thing that I'd say with it is that and I can't stress this enough is the world is going through such a challenging time and sport itself has been like there's been so many people who have whether they've lost jobs or you know they've had to relocate and haven't seen their families for you know indefinite periods and things like that and the stress of that is is just yeah, it's just phenomenal, and and full credit to all the coaches out there who you know have followed their passion and their careers, and 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 gone down that route. And for me, I was one of those guys too, and I still am. And the the book side of it was, it, it, the, to be honest, it was a pipe dream. I never thought that it would happen this quick. But the way that the world turned out, then I, I did my best in, in pivoting and adapting to the circumstances. And I thought to myself, well, there's no better time than I'll be able to actually put pen to paper and do it. So basically, the the whole uh, journey of it had been from uh, penning it, so to speak, would be from, say, March until uh, it was October, I think it was last year. And then then you go through the editing process, which is uh, yeah, that's just a, a whole different world once again. So the editing started in October and then uh, I think the final stage of editing actually finished in February. And, and then, then from there on, it was all the illustrations and design and things like that along the way. So with the Sporting Parent book, I wanted it to be a really easy user-friendly read. So the the illustrations and, and graphics to me played an important part in that I understand that not everyone... Uh, you know, we're academics and not everyone are keen in, in avid readers like a lot of the coaches who are listening. And for me, it was about trying to get as many parents on board as I could to sell a simple and clear message that a lot of us over the, the years of coaching have been singing the same song. But um, I kind of feel like if we're all in the one locker room singing the song and no one can, you know, no one's out on the field and, and doing the hard work, then it, uh, it, the message just doesn't get across to parents. And, and that's the idea of it. Yeah,
0: I think that's a really interesting point. I remember um, speaking to Joe Eisman some time ago and him kind of saying, you know, like stacking up research is great. It's, you know, it's really important that we keep furthering the science of what we're doing, et cetera. But we need to get the message out there. And your average coach, your average mum and dad isn't logging into the Journal of Sports Sciences or, you know, the National Academy, or, you know, whatever it is they're you know they are reading the papers they're still churning out nonsense they're still you know talking to coaches whose maybe methods are outdated etc so part of it is we've got this you know this kind of logjam of all this information but so little of it is getting out to the the real world if you like of mum and dads who are who are you know trying to figure out the best thing for little johnny at age 13 so i really love what you're doing so obviously it's called the sporting parent so tell us a little bit more about who's it for what's what's the idea and, and what's kind of the the content that's involved in in the book itself
1: yeah. So if you're, if you're a, a coach and you would have this time and time again, you would have the same questions over and over pop up that you feel like you're banging your head against the wall, then this book is for you because it basically is your number one resource in that sharing it with parents pretty well answers every single one of those questions. So, um, you know, a few things that delve into with the, which we highlighted before, right, is the the whole weekly schedule. So how can you try and simplify, you know, your weekly schedule you've got, uh, it, you know, is resistance training harmful to my kid? So uh, we all know that it's not, but at the end of the day, there's that whole fallacy that they shouldn't be resistance training until they're, you know, year nine or 15, 16 years of age. And, so there's a there's a a chapter committed specifically to that and then the other side of it is supplement use as well and the impacts that supplements can have not only it's not necessarily from a physiological perspective but these are decisions that parents are responsible for making that can also impact on the the character and the lifelong decisions that that kids and young adults will actually eventually make. And then it also delves into uh, simple things like what type of sport would be advantageous for your kids to play. So if you're a parent and you're not from a sporting background, but you'd like your, your kids or your child to be active, then where do you look and, and what, what sports can have a, an impact on, on your child and um, along with the maturation or the process of maturation. So when they go through the different stages of maturation, what does it look like and, and you know, what sports are best and how can how can the, the, the choice of sport be impacted on their maturation as well? So uh, like I said, I've tried to make it a one-stop shop, but the beauty of it is that, that I feel, which is the additional point to it is it would be really easy for, me to write a book purely on my opinion and leave it at that and and then that way most people would say yes but that's just one mm-hmm. bloke's opinion but so what I tried to do as part of the whole process was I reached out to um, there's a couple of sections in it one one is called lessons from the field um, and the other ones are called think boxes so the lessons from the field are from practitioners or current or former players um and they it allows them to share their experiences of their journey so uh you know if i was to to reach out and mention one of the people's in the book lockie wilmot uh committed his lesson from the field in resistance training so what his thoughts are him growing up as a kid uh through to now as a professional and what he's experienced then uh what what are his thoughts on that for the parents and then the the other side to it too is the 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 think boxes so I think uh, the way that this book is written, it, it's written as a no-nonsense no approach for parents in that it, it is quite uh, in your face at times. And, and it, the idea is that it's going to invoke or evoke, sorry, a, an, an emotional response from parents that they become quite passionate throughout the read and constantly throughout the read, the think boxes allow them to reflect and self-analyse how they're responding on their own child's journey or children's journey if they've got multiple kids so that was a big thing for me in that the the lessons from the field and the think boxes it's a it's a really user engaged experience throughout their read
0: yeah I think that's really important what you're doing because uh, I think every coach will probably experience this where you know parents ultimately are trying to make the best decisions for their kids um, but maybe not every parent has been through a sporting journey to the level that their kid is currently playing at you know so maybe you know the kids aspiring to play professionally but mum and dad only managed to play to a regional level or whatever and so they're experiencing this new frontier and trying to make decisions based off the information they've got but they haven't got the whole puzzle and they don't necessarily understand what's required to get to this next level and i think sometimes as coaches we can kind of say what are these parents doing? They i've got a clue but ultimately they're just acting off the information they've got so it's then our job and, and the job, of, like you're saying with this book, to, to provide better information, to say, look, this is this is the rationale behind why you want to go down this route or this is the rationale behind why, you know, resistance training is the way forward and not something we should hold back. So I think it's really important, that parental education piece, because it's really easy to, to pitch and moan about parents, but actually putting the right information in front of them, often they're really
1: receptive. Yeah, totally. And And the one thing that stands out is parenting is is a hard job and I think a lot of people like uh, you know my son's only 14 months old right now and you know I would say that that's hard but you know he's not even a teenager and and if you have multiple kids it's such a challenging job and the one thing that it does do is it does like I said you it instills that emotional response because everyone wants the best for their kids so I think it's really unfair when when we as coaches do do what you said and it's not uncommon where we kind of you know we might you know say, oh, what's going on here like we've seen this time and time again but they're doing it because they love their kids and 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 it's an emotional response that they want the best what is in the best interest for their children so for me the what you touched on before was perfect because you've got two ends of the spectrum so or the continuum so to speak so you have one end where a lot of parents just want their kids to have fun and be active and 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 that's it. Where the other end, if they, the older they get, if they display a little bit more talent, then they might feel that, you know, their son or daughter for that matter is, is likely to let's call it, make it and and have a crack at in the professional arena in whatever sport it is. And there's where that skews either way is every parent's journey as an individual. And that's what I've tried to, to make in this book in that it's, you know we can't sit back as coaches and criticize parents for what they're doing because parents are the fearless ones here but we need to actually educate and empower them and if that means that i'm going to throw myself out there and people can pass judgment on me creating a book over it then so be it man because at the end of the day then the parents are going to be the winners for it and and that's just what i feel passionate about
0: yeah i think one of the the frames of thought i've had recently you know I think you've experienced this in a in a performance environment, you have someone who's maybe ahead head of a department, like a performance manager or something like that, who's making decisions around this is what the weekly schedule is going to look like, this is where our prehab is going to slot in, this is where we're going to do a nutrition workshop, and this is where our recovery is. And effectively, when you come down to the youth level, it kind of by default, that happens to be mum and dad because they've got the overview of the whole thing. They know when little Johnny's at school, they know when he's going to go to swimming, they know where basketball is. So in some ways, these people have kind of been you know, have fallen by default into the role of performance manager without necessarily the information to make the best decisions, and and in, that's something that's changed in my mindset. To go, actually, we need to empower the parent to be that kind of performance manager because they see the athlete far more than we do. They know if they're eating their fruit and veg. They know if they're getting to sleep on time. They actually are a source of incredible information for us. We just need to educate and empower them.
1: Yeah, and and the the hardest part with that, which like I'm sure you can relate to, is if you rewind let's call it 20 30 years ago you know at the end of the day kids were active they might have played sport in school or there would have been a strong club culture that they were affiliated with where they played community sport and then then through that they ended up turning into professional athletes but now Because we as coaches, which is a phenomenal time to be in the industry, because there's so many different paths you can go down, whether it be, you know, working privately for yourself, working out of a a private facility. Like we know there's so many whiz bang facilities going around the world now, which is unreal. Um, And then you've got the institutes, you've got high schools, and then you've also got the clubs and rep stuff and things along the way. So all this becomes peripheral noise to the parents. And where do they get that? that knowledge from without someone having an agenda to them whether it be that they want their kids to sign up for you know a gym membership or lock them into some private training sessions and things like that and um, I feel like there's, there's there is an agenda um, when it comes to youth sport because at the end of the day it's a billion dollar industry around the world and there's so many parts to it so uh, for me it, it's one of those things of how do we just be as transparent as possible and, and let the parents make the decision and if we arm them and educate them with enough knowledge that they can choose, you know, there's never going to be a right or wrong decision to, to go down, just ones that they can learn from. Then at the end of the day, it's their parenting journey and we can't judge that.
0: Yeah. I think that's really interesting. What you said around uh, kind of, I guess, realizing that that people potentially have an agenda. I obviously do some private coaching outside of uh, my full-time role and For the first time last week, I had a parent actually send me an email and ask about my qualifications and ask about my experience. That's the first time that's happened. Usually people just take it at face value and go, "Oh, you work with this organization, you must be good. Now, actually, I kind of come into that parent and said, look, fair play to you, you've, you've done exactly the right yeah. thing there. I wish more people would do that because it would weed out some of those things where you realise, actually, this person's not that qualified or this person isn't that experienced or the claims they're making don't match up with, you know, their kind of... Yeah, so,
1: Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. I've uh, You know what? I've actually never had that question asked. The only thing that I would say to that is when I was in a role uh, several years ago, uh, there was you know sometimes parents can think that you're just a gym meathead guy right like let's be honest our industry's evolved so much and like what you said it's kind of almost swayed the other way now where everyone's so armed with all this knowledge and research and whatnot um so but in the school that i was at i i had there was just a, a window this period where i kind of felt like i was that gym mug and and so what i ended up doing to strategize for that was I ended up putting, you know, my qualifications or the letters and all the fancy stuff after my surname. uh, And I never actually received another email in that context or in that kind of manner or tone again. And it was funny because at the time everyone was like, oh, look at you, you you know, you're being a bit of a a this or that or a show pony or whatnot, trying to flash things around. Like, no, mate, like that was actually a strategic thing in that, trying to get parents to understand that a few, you know, it's not uncommon these days for people to have a few letters after their name. And so we might have an idea of what we're talking about. So, you know, kudos to that parent for for asking you that because I've never been asked that. Um, but yeah, like I said, that just kind of, it just triggered it off that, that as to why I actually did that in one of my previous roles.
0: Yeah, and I think it's it's brilliant as well because that then raises the expectation moving forward, right? Because if they've then worked with you, okay they may change context go to a different club and go okay well, you know Nathan had all these qualifications what have you got or you know go to yeah. the private sector and say well we want someone who you know was of the same standard so have you got X, y and Z and it starts to raise the the, the standard of what's expected you know expected either in the private sector or in the school sector or in the you know the academy situation so I think yeah it's that's right massive
1: yeah huge and and you know we kind of we're a detriment to ourselves in a way in that because a lot of the times we kind of bastardize different training methodologies and things like that. A lot of coaches end up being tarnished as a, Oh, he's a, he's a, this guy, he's a Bosch guy. He's a, he's a, you know, West side guy or he's a whatever guy. And it's like, like there's many pieces to the puzzle. And as coaches, we kind of need to, it's a bit like the LTA network and, and the different governing bodies around the country. Like, every governing body has their own challenges and they're all trying to do the best they can and, you know, navigate the different environments. But if there's not a governing body who's who's genuinely trying to get, you know, certifications and things like that and and have a, a certain level, um, you know, an example would be the Australian Strength and Conditioning Association, then how, how, you know, how do parents, you know, where's the litmus test here? So, yeah, like it's one of those things that... Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with you when it comes to that of, of how we actually go about it and and have that level of expect, expectation or certainty in our industry.
0: Hmm. So tell us a little bit, what's the response been like to the book so far?
1: It's been really cool. Like it, uh, oh man, uh, yeah, it, It's I, I can't thank the amount of people who have actually reached out to me, a lot of the coaches in support of it, because like I said, you know, we've been singing the same song for years. The, the pre order sold out. So I had a hundred copies of pre order. They went boom. Uh, went in the first week, which was great of it. Um, and then now it's all, you know, just available. You can get it all online at uh or, you know, Amazon and Booktopia have it as well for those listeners in Australia as well. So it's, yeah, the, the uptake on it has been awesome and and really, really encouraging. So the only way it's going to get get more wind though is, is through word of mouth. And, and that's more from the parent side of it. So I'd love to know that, you know, a coach listening to this Actually, has the book and and they've you know dumped it on some parents' hands and said you know you should check this out. This is this, the chapter on maturation and how your child's being impacted at the moment and and it's spelled out for them. So the the response from coaches has been phenomenal and, and just the support of it because you if I'm completely honest, you go through you know a journey like this and there's a lot of head noise that comes with it and you question yourself over and over. Not only you know who am I to write a book but at the same time it's it's what's in the book and is it going to hit the market and um, it's one of those things that without the the reinforcement of I'm, I'm fortunate myself that I have some some good who I deem to be friends but they're also coaches and they're just people who kind of continue to push me along the way to eventually just go you know what shut up man and now it's time to get it out there and and stop second guessing it. So, yeah. So I'm that, I'm very very fortunate that I've got people like that in, surrounded by them.
0: Well, props to you mate for taking it from a, a pipe dream to publication. Because there's a lot of people who who fall by the wayside in that process. So it takes a lot of perseverance to to get something out of your head on paper and, and across the line. So well done for that. Yeah, thanks, man. There's, Thank you very much. For those who are interested, I would say to definitely head to your social media and check out some of the reviews. Because you know. I personally, you know, know the names of a lot of the coaches that are, are kind of putting things out there saying it's a great read and the information's gold. And, you know, I think those kind of secondary recommendations from people have a lot of social kudos When people go, OK, this isn't just like you said, one guy's opinion. Actually, a lot of people are saying, you know what, if you did this before you came to me, it would be really helpful. And I think, yeah. you know, the more kind of people that start to say, hey, we can signpost people, or parents or coaches to this resource, the, the better for everyone.
1: Yeah, totally. And, and like I said, like, I mean, I've got, you know, there's profession, current professional athletes. You've got Reed Marnie, who plays in the Paramount Geals in the NRL. You've got Chloe Dalton, who's current Aussie Sevens women's player preparing for, for Tokyo. And um, these are all people who have contributed to the book. And, and I'll give those guys shout outs too, because every single contributor to the book did so voluntarily, and they gave up their own time for it. Expected nothing in return, and and for me, I, I genuinely feel like if people are passionate about what they do, then they're prepared to give back. And and I'm forever grateful for every single contributor who who's taken a part in this this project. It's been it's been phenomenal. So.
0: Well done, mate. It's, uh, no mean feat, especially with a, a little toddler. <laughs> I can imagine that would have been a pretty big distraction.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, yeah, yeah, trust me. They're tugging at the leg now and him pulling himself up has been uh, yeah, it's been a challenge.
0: <laughs> so for those people who are interested, obviously, NathanParnham.com is a place to, to go in and see more about the book. Where can they follow you on social media?
1: Yeah, so, um, yeah, just, I suppose just look up Nathan Parnham, a variety of things on on Instagram. It's Nathan underscore Parnham on Twitter. It's Nathan Parnham and, and Facebook. It's, yeah, along those lines, Nathan Parnham strength and conditioning. So, um, yeah, it's one of those things that I... I throw things out there purely to not only to to try and uh, hopefully shed a little bit of insight in into our industry and what we're doing from different coaching uh, in the coaching realm through to, you know, just me as a person. So I, I think that's really, really important for people to be able to see that transparency.
0: That's really awesome to see people um, getting up to the you know the level that you've done with the the sevens and some of the pro teams and then making the conscious decision to kind of come back down and work at the development level I think that's a really interesting trend that we're starting to see and, and people realizing um, that I mean, there's a lot of impact to
1: be had at, at the youth level yeah big time mate. the the impact you can make in the development setting far supersedes the professional realm Um, I've got no qualm in saying that whatsoever. There's certainly different benefits and challenges in both spaces. Uh, But every coach goes on their journey. And and at the moment, this is my journey of of where I'm at. And and I'm extremely passionate about the development space. And and I know there's a lot of other coaches who are too. So hat off to all you guys in the trenches.
0: Well, mate, best of luck with the book and best of luck, you know, uh, with uh, the new role and the developments that are coming up ahead. Um, wish you, you know, nothing but success with
1: it. Thank you very much, Rob. I really appreciate it once again. And, and thanks very much to all the, t- the listeners who have taken the time to, to listen to this. It's, yeah, it's been amazing. Thanks for the offer and the opportunity.
0: If you enjoyed this episode, there's a number of simple things you can do to help support the podcast. First, hit subscribe on your chosen podcast player so you're kept up to date with the latest episode releases. Second, you can leave us a review to help us reach more coaches and parents like yourself. Third, you can send this episode on to a coach or friend to help spread the word. And then fourth, you can find us on social media.